And welcome once again to another edition of Mets at the Movies, the podcast that talks about movies from celluloid to digital and everything in between. And on today's episode, we're going to be doing the 2015 movie, The Big Short. Now, I want to thank everybody for being patient with me. I haven't put out an episode in the last two weeks. Just started a new job, but you know what? We're back and we're better than ever. I don't know how we're better than ever, but we'll see what happens. Now, before I get into this movie a bit, I want to tell you why I chose this movie. This is one of those things that uh, we're going to be better than ever. So I want to tell you why I chose the movie Big Short. And the reason why I chose this movie Big Short was because I was looking at the news and everybody was talking about um, the stock markets, prices, Dow Jones, up and down, and everything. And you know what? It, it definitely can get confusing. And I've wanted to rewatch the Big Short for a while. But I felt like, you know what, the Big Short, it's... Most people know about it. They already know what they're getting into. Most people have seen it. So I don't really want to talk about that one. I was originally going to do the movie called Margin Call, which essentially tells the same story, but it tells a story from one single firm's point of view. And it tells a story of, I believe, about the 12 hours or maybe 24 hours leading up to the actual market crash when it happened. It's a really interesting movie. It's got a fantastic cast. I, it did not get a lot of love when it first came out. Nobody really knows about it. It's pretty good. But one of the reasons why I didn't do it was because it stars also Kevin Spacey. Now, I'm able to separate um, art from reality, but I know that some people aren't, and I want to be respectful of them. So I thought, you know what? I'll wait a bit before I talk about the movie Margin Call. I would like to talk about it at some point, but I, I thought I'd just, you know, I'd take a little break from that and give myself a chance. And luckily enough, we've got The Big Short. And The Big Short is a great, great movie. I have to say The Big Short is probably one of my favorite movies of the last, I'd say, like 10, 10 years. It's up there with Spotlight as just some incredible filmmaking. So I'm glad I'm able to talk about that. Now, the movie... Before I get into any of the details, I'm going to give a little backstory about it to help out. Essentially, The Big Short is set around the lead-up to the 2007 housing market crash. Now, for anybody who doesn't know a lot about it, they probably know that, hey, it just happened. Essentially, like the bare minimum facts of what happened was this happened because of greed. Just like every other problem that happens with stock market or with anything, it's all greed. What happened... What happened decades ago was somebody started to create um, these type of bonds that you would take multiple. So essentially what happened before I go go into that, actually, what happened was a lot of people, uh, banks were in decades ago, banks would sell mortgages to people's to people and they would pay pay them off. And it was a relatively safe investment because banks aren't going to, wouldn't give mortgages to people who couldn't afford them and who couldn't pay pay them off so it was relatively safe what ended up happening was they realized that if they started selling more riskier mortgages so they started selling to mortgages more mortgages to people who necessarily couldn't do couldn't pay it off they would see a better return on investment because they could they could charge higher higher rates and previously if they were if let's say a population of a hundred people in this town they could only afford to sell let's say fifty mortgages 
and the other 50 they couldn't sell mortgages to, what happens is they started doing riskier mortgages. So now instead of getting money from 50 people, they're getting money from, let's say, 80 people. So that extra 30 people are now added onto the original 50 they have. So they were making money hand over fist. They were making so much money that it it was stupid. It was stupid how much money these people were making. Um, that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in the financial market. I don't know why, but there's something about this crash that I can't stop like learning things of like there's another movie that HBO did um, called too big to fail. And that came out. I'm just searching up another video now, but um, it was a movie that, that came out too big to fail. It was done by HBO again, really interesting, really good goes into more detail of like the political sense. Uh, It talks a little bit more about that than um, some, some of the other stuff, but there was also a documentary that came out a couple of years ago. I'm just looking for it where um, Matt Damon, I believe it was Matt Damon was the voice and he won and this movie won best documentary. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I can't believe I'm blanking on it now, but it was really good. Um, Oh God, what was it called? What was it called? I'm just going through Matt Damon's IMDb page to figure out exactly what it was, but I will find it. And if I can't find it here, I know another way of finding it. Um, Okay, let me take a look. Let me take a look. Let me take a look. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? It's not here. Okay, so let me do one real quick because I want to tell everybody to go and see it um, uh, because it is definitely um, uh, worth seeing. And it talks a lot about a um, little more detail about what has uh, happened. Inside job, that's it. It was 2011. I didn't go back far enough. Wow, it was 2011. But essentially, yeah, it's called Inside Job. And uh, it talks about the same thing. Uh, but it, again, it goes into a little bit, bit more de- detail. Uh, it treats it as if this was like a, a crime against um, the population, which essentially it was. But it won the Oscar for Best Documentary in 2011. So yes, Inside Man. That was the other thing I was looking for. Thank you, Internet. Um, so where, where was it? Yes. So to explain, explaining the market. So what happened was more riskier people were buying these mortgages and bankers were making money hand over fist. What they found that they could do was if you lump all these mortgages together, you would create... You would create a bond, and a bond essentially is a bond essentially a pay uh, a payment. So, for example, if a company wants to open up a new factory, they need money to do it. So, what happens is they would go to the bank, and the bank would issue bonds. So, let's say they need, let's say they need, um, what is it, five hundred million dollars to o- open this bank. So they need $500 million to open up this uh, new factory. So they would go go to the bank and the bank would say, okay, here's $500 million. Now what they would do is they would issue 500,000 bonds based at $1,000. So each one of these 500,000 bonds, it's like a, it's like a, almost like, like a promise of payment. Like I have one of one of the, like there's five, 500,000 deeds to this, five 
$100 million that this com- com- company owes. So if you own a bond, because that bond is worth $1,000, if you own a bond, that company has to pay you the $1,000 for the bond. But there's interest. So what happened is now the bank has these 500,000 bonds that they can either hold on to and take the full money, so they could take the full $500 million plus the, the interest, or they could sell these bonds to investors and they would take the hit. So essentially what would happen is, let's say there was um, 20, let's say the interest on each bond was $25. So this bank is selling 500,000 bonds, which is $500 million, which the company took. So I buy one of these bonds. So now this bond is worth $1,000. So now the company pays me the interest per month. So let's say the interest is $25. So each month I get $25, okay? I get $25 for owning this bond. It's like a, almost like a finder's fee or an ownership fee. And let's say that the bond is a 30-year bond. So I get $25 a month from the company and at the end of the 30 30 years the company then has to pay me a thousand dollars for the bond so i not only earned a thousand dollars but i also gained 25 dollars per month over the last 30 years that's the that that's the interest so with a bond there's two types of bond but i'm only going into this bond so essentially Instead of paying off part of the initial bill and the and the interest, they're only paying the the interest, and then at the very end, they're going to pay it all off at once, hoping that this new factory will be able to generate enough revenue to pay it off. That's one of the reasons why the housing market was so so stable because the bank would only give. If this is confusing, I understand. It took me a little time to research it. But what it is, is the bank, the company borrowed money from the bank. And then the bank has a bunch of promise to pays. They're they're like receipts. Think of it like a receipt. Like there's, they bought $500,000. They bought 500,000 bonds. Each bond is worth $1,000. So that's $500 million. So now the bank has 500,000 receipts. And each receipt is for $1,000. And this company has to pay off each receipt. But what the bank can do is say, you know what? We don't want to wait for all this money. So they sell these receipts to investors. And now the, and they, and then the bank gives the receipt to the investor. Now the investor has the receipt. So now the company has to pay off the investor. So that should be a little bit more easier. But what happened was banks were... Putting, they were taking all of these mortgages and putting together them in bonds. So one bond or, or one sort of, um, what's the term? Not one bond, but one, I guess, bond investment could have like hundreds of mortgages in this bond. And what happens is investors, investors are essentially buying your mortgage, so if you take out a mortgage from, from a bank, you're obviously paying your monthly fees to the bank. But what happens is that bank may have sold your mortgage to somebody else because they don't want to take the hit if you default. So what ends up happening is you give the money to the bank each month. Bank gives it to the investors. 
who own your mortgage. So that's kind of how, how it happens. So if you have a mortgage or a loan out with a bank, you may not actually be paying the bank. The bank may be just taking your, being like a third party, taking your money and give, giving it to somebody else. That, that happens a lot because these investors prefer to make the money and the banks don't want to take the hit if you default. So they want all the money up front. So they sell the bonds. Now, again, if it's a little confusing, I understand. Did my best. I'm not a, I'm not a professor in economics. I'm just somebody with a computer who can research all this on, on YouTube. But essentially what happened is now all of these major banks in the States had all these bonds. And bonds have ratings. They're called FICO scores. And they range anywhere from AAA plus down to AA plus, single A plus, triple B plus, and then they work all th- themselves all the way down to, I think, a B. Single B. Single Bs are garbage. Single Bs are trash. At least that's how they show it in the movie. It might go a little bit lower. I'm not sure. But in the movie, they explain that it goes triple A. Essentially, it goes triple A plus, double A plus, and then it it works its way down from there. Now, obviously, triple A plus is the greatest one out there. So all of these bonds that were rated awful and really low, nobody nobody was buying so local banks were saying, like, we're stuck with these. What do we do? So what happens is they would take all of these garbage mortgages and bonds, put them together, and create a CDO. So a CDO is essentially a bunch of bonds mixed together, like garbage bonds mixed together. And in the banking world, when you diversify your money, so if you buy stocks or investments in a, in, in a lot of things, it's called diversifying your portfolio, that's looked at as really good. And because all of these garbage bonds were mixed together, it was to create a CDO. Anybody who bought into this was looked at as somebody as diversifying because these bonds were diversifying. So all of a sudden, all these garbage bonds mixed together somehow now created AAA rated plus CDOs. So people were like, great, let's invest in them. So people started buying these. So you've got really two types of bonds. You've got your your good bonds, which pe- people buy into and they get money from, and you've got these garbage bonds who nobody's buying, which are stuck together to create CDOs, which now people are buying because it's looked at like diver- diversifying your por- portfolio. Now, what happened was at one point, insurance rates started to go up. Insurance, like one month came and insurance rates skyrocketed and millions of people who had these risky mortgages that they shouldn't have had in the first place, all of a sudden couldn't afford to pay their mortgages. So what happened? They, they um, collapsed on their debt. They couldn't afford, so they lost the debt. So they lost their house. They had to leave. Now the bank who was supposed now the now the major banks that were that were buying all of these CDOs and bonds and mortgages had millions of people default on their their mortgages saying basically whatever's left I can't pay I'm sorry bye you can have the house but th- that's it so these banks were now stuck with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of houses with nobody living in them and nobody can buy but what they rather have is the actual money. 
And unfortunately, all of this defaulting that happened meant that the banks couldn't afford to put money into um, retirement plans that people had. They couldn't afford to put money into pension plans, investments, anything. Like they had no money left because a lot of these banks don't deal with physical cash. They don't. A lot of banks deal with your $25 a month that you give to a bank, they'll use that money to pay off something else. If it sounds like a Ponzi scheme, it it, it, it doesn't. There's regulators there. Uh, it, it's a little bit differently. But uh, it works very similar, where they have all these promises to pay come, co- coming in, and when somebody wants to ca- cash out, they use all the money that they took from everybody else to pay this person off. But then for a while, they were loaded with all these things, and they were giving their board members huge, like massive sums of money to pay off all of this stuff. So that's essentially what happened. Millions of people had their interest rates jump up one month. They couldn't afford to pay their mortgages, the mortgages that the banks shouldn't have given to them. And then all of a sudden, all these major banks found out that um, they have all of these houses, all of these policies that are garbage now, useless, default faulted upon, that nobody could afford to pay. And because these banks now had no money, they ended up having to file for bankruptcy. Now, what ended up happening was the U.S. government then approved a $700 billion bailout. Now, what should have happened was the $700 billion should have gone to pay off the debt of these banks. So people who had retirement funds, people who had pension plans, people who had any investments with these banks... The $700 billion was supposed to go to these people here. So if you have, a, if you have, a, if you have your retirement plan with a bank, they all, they all of a sudden go into bank, bankruptcy, all your retirement savings is now gone. You don't have anything. What the $700 billion was, was originally for was supposed to go back into your retirement plan so you can start li- living again. That's essentially what it was for. What ended up happening was the bank's took all that money, paid off the debts that they had to, and to all the people who had retirement plans, they basically said, sorry, you're out of money now. You're going to have to go out and find a job. They may have got a little bit, but most of it was gone. So they took this money to pay off the debts that they had to, or else they would have been shut down. And then they used the rest to pay bonuses to people. So they essentially robbed money from the from the government. So not only did the U.S. people lose money from their retirement plan, but the taxes they pay each month went to pay the bonuses for the people who were stupid enough to run their business, which caused the American people to lose their money. So again, it's all greed. That's what all this is. It was all greed and 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 everything. And I don't know why I find it fascinating, but I really do. I really find it interesting. Out of everything that that happens, I find it interesting. It's just the amount of greed that happened and the stupidity that happened. Because what, what what also ended up happening was I know I haven't talked about the actual movie itself, but I want to educate people a little bit on what um, what happened, so they have a better understanding when I go in. 
And one other thing that was happening was FICO scores. So these scores to show that, hey, these bonds were good, were given out by third-party companies. Now, unfortunately, there were multiple com- there are mar- multiple companies that give out FICO scores. So if a bank goes to a company that, sell, that, that, that does FICO scores and they don't get good FICO scores, they'll just go to the competitors, forcing the original company that gives out FICO scores to say, oh, no, 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 these were good, to give them the ratings that they want so that they wouldn't go to their competitors. So the people who regulate this stuff and control the FICO scores knew that they were bad, but they gave them high scores anyways because they didn't want to want them to go to their competitors. That's the stupidity and greed that happened. Okay, I've talked about 20 minutes about all this stuff. You should be a little bit caught up about kind of what happened if you didn't understand. So now we're going to talk about the movie because that, that's what we're here for. This is Mets at the movies, not Mets at the stock market. Now, this movie was written and directed by Adam McKay. You may know him from directing and writing Anchorman 1 and 2, Talladega Nights, Step Brothers, and one of the funniest movies I've seen in my entire life, The Other Guys. So he's a big Will Ferrell guy. They also started Funny or Die together. Um, if you have seen the short video about Landlord, where a little girl goes to Will Ferrell demanding her money, that's actually Adam McKay's daughter. So they did it together. And she's super cute cute in that. If you haven't seen it, go find it. It's called The Landlord with Will Ferrell. It's really funny. But this also proves that people that come from comedy are able to jump into more serious roles than people from serious roles can jump into comedy. That's why I feel like comedy is a stronger art. And I've, and I've said this numerous times, and I'll say this multiple times. I believe that comedy is a stronger art form and a harder art form than drama which is one of the reasons why I don't believe that Daniel Day-Lewis is one of the greatest actors of our time. I think he's one of the greatest dramatic actors for sure, but overall actors, no. Because all he does is the same role every time. But we'll get into that another time because I've already gotten to that with a few friends. Now the, book was, now, the movie was based off of the book by Michael Lewis called The Big Short as well. So it was based off of a book. And one of the reasons why Adam McKay got such praise for this, and he got nominated for Best Director, it got nominated for Best Picture, was because people were amazed that he was able to take such a confusing situation and topic and able to explain it in a proper way, an under, a way that people can understand, which is the sole, which is the job of a director, is to take a script, take a book, and adapt it to film. And that's what he did as a director and a writer. So he was incredible when doing this. Now, the movie stars a a pretty extensively good cast. So it stars Ryan Gosling, Christian Bale, Brad Pitt, Steve Carell, Marissa Tomei, Finn Whitrock, who, if you don't know, uh, he's had a couple supporting roles, but he's mainly from American Horror Story. John Magaro. Uh, again, he's got a lot of supporting roles as well. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. I looked it up, and that's what I think it is. John Magaro. Uh, most people who watch Orange is the New Black will know him from there. Gentleman by the name of Jeremy Strong, who's also been in a ton of supporting roles as well. But one of his later role, uh, newest roles is uh, Master of Sex. He was in that too. Rafi Spall, who is uh, a British uh, English 
actor who's actually going to be in the new Jurassic World movie, but I know him mainly from the television show Roadies. And Hamish Linklater, who once you see him, you'll know who he is. Uh, he's just he's he's been in so many roles that he'll you'll you'll know who he is. He was in the New Adventures of Old Christine. I never watched the show, but I think he was the brother in that. And he was also in the uh, television show The Newsroom. Some guest stars: Margot Robbie, who played herself; Selena Gomez, played herself; Melissa Leo, who played one of the agents at the FICO companies; Karen Gillian, who. Uh, played an agent from the regulatory commission um, who was actually trying to get into banking max greenfeld who you'll know as schmidt from the new girl and uh billy magnuson who is in the new game night movie that's coming out and he's also going going to be in the new aladdin movie coming out as well so that's your cast pretty good cast and it was only and it was only made for 28 million dollars when you look at this film and you look at the cast you think with the production value and and and, and everything and the cast that this must have been somewhere around an 80 90 million dollar movie but the fact that they were able to make it on a budget of 28 million dollars is incredible that also tells you that this movie was more of a passion project for a lot of these people rather than your standard paycheck movie like they understood what they were getting themselves into when they were going to make this film and the film did pretty well. It actually had a box office gross of $133 million. So it was pretty good. Uh, it made quite a bit of money. And uh, it was well-received. Critics absolutely loved it. As I said, it was nominated for multiple Oscars. And uh, I think it won one as well. I think it was for Best ad- uh, Adapted Screenplay. It won. Um, I'd have to double-check that, but... Um, yeah, I think it was adapted screenplay. Actually, I can check right now because I just want to verify because I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, let me check here. One Oscars. There we go. Uh, yeah, I was right. Best, ad- best adapted screenplay. It was also nominated for best motion picture, best supporting actor for Christian Bale, best directing, and best achievement in film editing. So it had quite a few Oscars as well. So now to the nitty gritty. I'm going to tell you kind of what happens in this movie. I've already essentially told told you about what happened to the, the stock market, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about the story and, and what happens. Now, it tells the story basically that leads up to the 2007 stock market. And it tells it from the point of view, uh, it tells, tells it from three points of views from three hedge funds. Now, a hedge fund is somebody who you give your money to and they invest it for you. That's that's essentially what it is. They're an, inv- they're an investor, but a hedge fund is somebody who deals with multiple clients. So multiple, like a lot of people pull their money in together to give it to this one person or one group, and they determine who um, control, controls it. And it starts off with you um, learning a little bit about a gentleman by the name of Michael Burry, who's played by C- Christian Bale. And he was the first individual who noticed this couple years before it actually happened uh and this whole chain of events basically happened because of him because he was looking at uh he noticed that um prices for houses were kind of getting he noticed that the housing market was starting to become very similar to what it was during the original great depression or before the great depression where he noticed that um interest rates or no people's pay was it wasn't going up it was going up very slowly but prices for houses were skyrocketing at the all-time 
at, at, at their all-time high. So he noticed that people weren't making a lot of money, but yet houses were selling for crazy amounts of money. And he was like, that doesn't make, that doesn't make sense. How do you, how do, how, how does the housing market sky, skyrocket when people's wages aren't? Like, how are these people affording these houses at, at these new prices? So he ended up t- taking a look at what it was and realized what the situation was. So what he did was he went to the banks and he bought what was called credit default swaps. Now, what that is, is you're betting that a stock price will drop. Everything you hear about the stock price, stock market, is buy low, sell high. So you want to buy something, and as it gets higher, you sell higher. He did the opposite. He bought some, He bought at its high point, expecting it to drop. Now, the challenge with that is you have to make insurance payments. So if you buy stock at a certain price and it starts to go up, you pay the banks the difference. And that's what was happening for a while. People were investing in these credit default swaps, but they had to make payments because the housing market was going up, going up, going up, going up. And this was all prior to that initial interest rate hike where where people lost. Because again, the housing market was still still looking good. These these false FICO scores were were happening, even though you know a million people default defaulted on their. mortgages the stock rose and it was confusing because people were people were like how do you have a million people default on their mortgages but yet the stock price for these bonds are going up it doesn't make any sense and they were looking into that and while michael burry was going to all the banks and buying these word was getting around town that there was somebody going around shorting stocks and shorting stocks is to essentially, um, that's what you're doing. You're betting that a stock is going to drop. And word ended up coming to a gentleman by the name of Jared Vinetti, Jared Vinetti, who's played by Ryan Gosling. And he noticed this, and he looked into it, and he found out that, oh my God, this guy's right. This could actually happen. And... He ended up calling around and he ended up trying to get, he ended up getting a hold of what was called was Front Point Partners. They were a subsidiary of Morgan Stanley. So Morgan Stanley owed them, but they, 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 they were able to run themselves. So a large bank owned them, but they were able to run their hedge fund their own way. Because a gentleman by the name of Mark Baum, who was played by Steve Carell, was, was, do, was such a good investor because he was able to search out bullshit and fake things better than anybody. So because Ryan Gosling's character, Jared Vanetti, because his, Jared Vanetti's company, his secretary called the wrong per- person and got a hold of Mark Baum's firm asking, hey, we're thinking about doing these credit default swaps. Mark Baum's care, um, hedge fund, Front Point Partners, decided, you know what, that was weird. You know what, let's take a look into this. And they ended up finding out about, about this and seeing it was real, getting in contact with him. And buying credit default swaps, all because his secretary called the wrong per the wrong person. So that's how they got in on this. And Brownstone is the third kind of story plot in this, and that was started by gen- gen- gentlemen by the name of uh, Charlie Geller and Jamie Sh- Shipley, and they were played by Finn Whitrock and John Magar. Uh, 
Madro, who I mentioned earlier on, one from American Horror Story, the other from Orange is the New Black. And they were a small firm. They only had, um, I think it was, hundred. they had $100,000 that they converted into $30 million. So for regular people, that's amazing. But what happens was they couldn't, they didn't, their hedge fund wasn't earning enough to be part of the stock market and to be able to go in and buy stocks directly from these people. So what they were trying to do was they were trying to go to different banks and saying, hey, we have this small hedge fund. We want to partner with you guys to help us get in. And nobody was doing it because they didn't care because it was small money and they wanted all the money for themselves. And what at uh, now in the movie, and this is why I like it in the movie, it shows that they happen to find um, the idea portfolio about shorting stocks on just a random table. Now they pause and they look at the camera and say that this didn't actually happen. The way it happened was um, they heard it from some people and they read it in a magazine. So they saw saw this and they thought, you know what, this is a great idea. They looked at the, n- the numbers and they thought that it was real and they started to get into this. And they connected with a gentleman by the name of Ben Rickett, who was played by Brad Pitt. He was a former stock trader who got out of the game because he thought it was awful, it was horrible, it was terrible. This is going to ruin the American... This is going to ruin the world. So he went and he started a seed farm all on his own. So they got him involved and they ended up um, convincing him to help them out with this. Now, what ends up happening is the movie is essentially told with these three storylines and how each of them learned about this issue, how they purchased issue, how they purchased their credit default swaps and what happened after the the what happened during the crash and how long they waited to sell these swaps to gain their money back and that's essentially how the story goes and some of the reasons why i love this movie is because one it's 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 a fascinating story about how thing about how the stock market works um it opens up your eyes to what banks are doing like you just go to your bank you deposit your money you take out money and then that's it but this tell, tells you what the banks are doing behind the scenes that you may not know about. And one of the other reasons, actually, before I, for, before I forget, one of the other reasons why I was in, interested in doing this, because I recently watched a Netflix do- documentary series called Dirty Money. And one of the things is they ta- talked about the HS, HSBC bank basically filtering money for drug drug cartels and terrorists. And I thought, and I was watching, I thought, this is incredible, this is crazy crazy and i thought wait a minute i'm gonna do one of my episodes on a movie about the uh housing housing market then i thought it was margin call and then i ended up big short and that's where we're here and that's where we're here now now what now another reason why i like this movie is because it's it's very much shot like a documentary there's voiceovers at times but the whole point of this film is to not only give you an engrossing story but to show you what happened and that's the purpose of a documentary is to educate educate you. And as you're watching this, you get a real sense of the stock market and the housing market as well, which was supposed to be the safest market to invest in at all out of every other market out there. Because the whole idea was, well, who's going to default on their house? You know, the amount of people that have to default on their their houses for for a significant drop or change is unimaginable that was the idea but unfortunately it did actually happen and you see the story through these three individuals but not only do you see the story about what happened you also get to see heart in a lot of these characters 
as well because Michael Burry, who was played by Christian Bale, basically had total control over his hedge fund. And you can see how it affected him because he was investing in this and his clients were getting free freaked out. And then you can see that an individual who always knew what he was doing all of a sudden might be second guessing him himself to a point where he almost sold all the stocks until he decided, you know what, I'm not going to do this because I've done everything um, my way, understanding, and it's worked out fine, and I'm not going to see. So you see, you don't see a huge character growth, but you see uh, a man basically start to second guess himself and realize that, no, I need to stand firm. On the front point par- partner side, you realize that Mark Baum's uh, brother lost a lot of money um, and ended up killing himself and committing suicide. And it hurt Mark Baum's char- character, who was played by Steve Carell, because rather than see what was happening, he was so focused on the market that instead of offering support, he just offered him, hey, I'll give you some money to help you out. He didn't see the underlining issues and it really affected his career. And part of the reason why Mark Baum wanted to do this was because it was an attack on the banks and he hated the banks because he felt that they were partly responsible for what happened to his brother along with him. And this was an attack. This was a personal issue. Um, Steve Carell was incredible in this. I think he's probably the best at, he's the best actor in this entire film. And you also get that same point of view from the Brownstone where you get to deal with Charlie Geller and Jamie, Sh- Jamie Sh- Shipley played by, you know, Finn and John um, who I mentioned earlier as well, because at one point they start buying up credit default swaps for even worse bonds or no, even higher bonds that were almost guaranteed to sell. It was like, it was, it was, it was stupid to do this, but they were buying this and they were so happy and they were so thrilled. And in one scene, and it's probably the most important, one of the most important scenes in this film is Ben Ricketts, who was played by Brad Pitt turned around and said, do you realize what you just did? And they said, yeah, we're going to make a ton of money on this stuff. We're going to be rich. We're, you know, this is going to be incredible. And he said, you just bet against the American economy. If you win, millions of people are going to lose their houses millions of people are going to lose their retirement funds. And he said for every, there was a certain stat he mentioned where um, for every percentage that goes on un- unemployment, I think it's like 1%. If, no, for every 1% unemployment goes, for 44,000 people die. And he gives the stat and these two individuals realize what, what, what they just did. And it's the perfect example of, of greed. These two individuals saw that they were making so much money that they could make an ungodly sum, they could become rich, but they didn't see that it was it would have been at a at, at the cost of the American people. And it and it's almost the imperfect the perfect scene to describe you to describe the film and what led led up to this. It was an incredible scene. And you realize kind of, oh, oh crap, you know, I'm watching these guys you know, succeed, but the rest of America has to really um, suffer because of this. And I can tell you that when I drove through through the states in October, when you drive through the central, the center center states, not 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 the coasts, you can see this. You see a lot of abandoned houses. You see a lot of empty spaces. Um, you see kind of 
houses that people own, but they 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 just just look terrible. You know, we all focus on New York, L.A., Miami, Seattle, Texas. You know, you know Houston. We all look at all these things that are along along the coast because that's where the majority of the people are, and that's where a lot of the power is. But then when you get to the center states, you know, the Arizonas, the Oklahomas, um, um, you you see a different side of America, and you see the America that was hurt the most um, based off of what happened. And then you can also understand why people voted for Trump. Uh, you can see it. As you drive through the middle of the states, you can see why people voted for Trump. It makes sense. Because they had, because the politicians who were supposed to control and regulate this were changing laws to make it easier for these banks to do things like this. And then when the banks screwed up and failed, the government bailed them out and gave money to the banks, who in turn just gave themselves more money. So you could you could see as you're driving through and then you watch movies like this and Margin Call and Inside Job and you can see why Trump won because there was a lot of people who were just fed up with um, the banking system, with the political system and just everything, the, the systems that the small person is, are supposed to look up to and say, I trust that you'll help me out and they didn't and it makes total sense. Ever since my drive through October, through the states through October, I I I do I am not part of the camp where people are like I can't believe Trump got voted in I can't believe it, and I say I I can, I can see why, and it makes total sense, and that's what this movie explains explains to you, that all the rich care about are getting r- richer at any expense. They even create different concepts that are so confusing and convoluted that only they know what to do and they and they try and pitch you on these things and sell the and sell you on these things and because you're so confused that they say um you know what i trust in you i'll give i'll give you my money there's a commercial on right now about investments where a gentleman is sitting in front of a desk and it's one of the best commercials i've seen in a while because i don't have a cable but sometimes when i watch sports i do see commercials and it's one of i think the most important commercials i've seen in a while um is he's sitting there at at the desk and he's asking his his investment manager hey my returns are getting smaller and and smaller each year but yet your company is um posting record record numbers each year, you know, how does how does that how does that that, that make sense? And the man manager says, you know, you might not understand now, but this is but it's a long game. You know, it, you, you'll see it at the end. And the guy turn, turns to him and says, "This isn't a game. This is my future." And then you, and then it hits you, and you're like, "That's right. This isn't a game. It's it's people's futures. It's people's lives." And the banks took it for granted. And nobody went to jail except for one person who they found were, were hiding billions of dollars in other accounts. But nobody at the head of these banks, Deutsche Bank, uh, Morgan Stanley, um, Citibank, none of these banks, Lehman Brothers, none of them went to jail, jail for this. They essentially robbed money from the American people and nobody went to, pri- nobody went to prison. It's ridiculous. And this movie explains that. 
and I love this movie. Now, this is one of my longer podcasts because, again, I love this movie. I love what it stands for. I love what it talks about. Um, I do find it, I do understand the irony that you're watching a film talking about how rich banks are taking from uh, middle-class America and these people who are angry at the banks are played by rich people who earn a lot of money and don't have to worry about this. So I understand the irony, but it, but because of their performances, it doesn't make it less, it doesn't make it less true. So this has been my talk on the big short. I think, I think this has been one of the better episodes. I know people are saying like, like, Oh, you're taking too long to get to the movie. Well, you know what? This is Mets at the movies and I'm, I'm not always talking about the movies. I'm not doing a review show. I'm doing a why I love this movie show. And I'm trying to educate people on these movies. If you want reviews, go to YouTube. If you want reviews, go re- go watch the the news. Go read go read paper. I'm not here to give you a review. I'm here to tell you why I love why I love films and to educate you about certain films you may not know. That that's my job. I'm not here to give you a 1 out of 5 score. So that's my talk. You know what? I, I got I to gotta end this on a more positive note because that was a very uh, sour note to, to end this on. And, this is, and as I said, this has been one of the best, I think, episodes I've done in a long time. Um, passionate about it. Talked about things I want. Um, I'm going to try and get another episode up on Sunday. Uh, my initial plan is to hopefully get um, another episode up this coming Sunday because I want to get on the Sunday night track where they're ready for Monday mornings if people want to listen to this on their trek. And then what I'll end up doing is, because I believe the Oscars are March 4th, let me just check real quick because what I'm going to be doing is uh, I'm not going to be do yeah, so they're, they're on Mar- March 4th. So what I'm probably going to end up doing is I'll do another movie um, next week. So this coming Sunday, I'll have one out. And then what I want to try and do is on the 25th, by then I should have seen all the movies I need to see. And the episode I do on the 25th will be my Oscar prediction episode. So it'll classify it as a bonus episode, but um, it'll be the episode for the week. And then um, what I'll do is uh, I'll recap the, I'll, I'll do a quick, I'll do a quick recap on the Oscars on my next episode after that. And then we'll start talking about more movies um, as well. So if you have any suggestions on a movie you want me to talk about next week prior to going into the Oscars, if you can have it as kind of like an Oscar theme, that'd be cool. You know, something that won maybe the best picture. Actually, you know what might be a good movie to do? Um because it's been a while, was potentially Million Dollar Baby. Because I remember watching that a while ago, and it was just a fantastic film, and I couldn't believe how good it was that I'd waited so long to see it. Maybe I'll go through the list of uh, Best Picture winners, and I'll look for a movie that uh, I either haven't seen, so we'll experience it together, or one that I really like that I want to um, talk about again. Um, Okay, so that is it. Uh, Thank you for this uh, extra long and educational, hopefully, episode of Mets at the Movies. And I will see you at the next screening.